So I hope that um, they will uh, appear um, in due course. But the first slide should tell you uh, what I'm preaching about, if we get to see it. Ah, there we go. Jesus is our Amen. Now, I haven't actually um, come up with this title myself. Uh, I just looked at the notice sheet last week, and I went, oh, <laughs> that, that's our title. Jesus is our Amen. Um, but I knew I was going to speak about Jesus being the Amen, so it sort of makes sense. And I'll, I'll, I'll come back to that a bit later. But first of all, I just want to look at what does the word amen mean? So, so be it, everybody. So be it. I agree, somebody's saying. So be it, I agree. Well, let's look at the next slide and we can see what, what the Greek dictionary says, Strong's Dictionary. Uh, I looked it up because it's nice just to sort of look up a dictionary definition. And uh, it says it's uh, the Greek word amen is of Hebrew origin and Properly, it means firm, like something that is solid ground. It is firm. That's interesting, isn't it? Firm, solid ground. Figuratively, it can be trustworthy. Remember uh, a few weeks back, we were talking about building on sand or building on solid rock. Well, solid rock is firm. It's trustworthy. It's trustworthy. Adverbially, it means surely, surely this is going to happen. It's definitely going to happen. It's guaranteed it's going to happen. And often, as an interjection, we say, amen, so be it. So yeah, we get there in the end. Yes, it does mean, so be it. Absolutely right. But, but it has this meaning of, really, it means it's firm. It's trustworthy. It's absolutely solid ground. It's guaranteed. It is, amen, this is going to happen Amen. Well, we see here it's, it's of Hebrew origin, and uh, Strong's Dictionary gives us this uh, number H543. I go, oh, I better look that up. H543, what's that? So uh, if we go on to the next slide, and uh, we'll see the Hebrew word, amen. And here, the Hebrew, the definition is given, it is sure. It is sure. Surely it's going to happen. Absolutely. It's sure. Amen. Definite, guaranteed. Abstractly, it can mean faithfulness. Something is faithful. Something is trustworthy. And adverbially, it can be said truly, truly, this is going to happen. It's truth. This is firm. This is sure. This is truth. This is guaranteed. That's what the word means. But as I was looking up this Hebrew word, it, it says it's from another Hebrew word. It gives me from H539. H539. Oh, I better look that up in the dictionary now because I want to find out what this word means. I don't think I've quite got to the bottom of it yet. So I, I look that up and perhaps we can go on to the next slide and, and we'll see. It comes from this Hebrew word, a man. A-M-A-N. A man. Uh, I know I'm not pronouncing that right. I think you pronounce it or man. Uh, I'm just going to say a man. But it means to build up, to support. And this is why we respond, amen. This is built up. This is supported. This is strong. This is trustworthy. This is solid ground. This is built up. So that's what the word means. But, you know, as I was pondering on this, I, I wanted to really delve into what, because I, I sort of got sidetracked off the word amen, and I started looking at this word, a man. 
Don't worry, I will get back to amen. But I wanted to look at this word, a man, because it, it intrigues me. I wanted to find out, what, what does this word mean? What does it mean to build up, to support? What is God doing? So uh, let's look up uh, our next slide. And uh, I found this, um, a man, the verb, to build up. And it has, there, there are three forms of the verb. And the cal form, Q-A-L form of the verb, you, you won't need to remember that, don't worry. It's an active verb. It means to build up or support, to foster as a parent or a nurse. And, and I've brought two examples to bear. Ruth chapter 4, verse 16. Then Naomi took the child, that was Obed, the grandfather of King David. Naomi took the child and laid him on her lap and became his nurse. And the word nurse is a man. She was nursing him. She was building him up. She was feeding him as a nurse. And then we have another example in Esther chapter 2, verse 7. Mordecai was bringing up Hadassah. That is Esther, the daughter of his uncle, for she had neither father nor mother. Well, this, this uh, translation, bringing up, again, it's that word, a man. You see, Mordecai and Naomi... They both had concern for these children and they said, we want to feed and provide for these children. We want to nurse them and give them food and build them up as children. We want to build them up as children. And so this word, a man, means to build up. Well, I decided to look up another example of this word. Uh, so let's just turn to Numbers, the book of Numbers and chapter 11. Numbers chapter 11. And I'm going to read from verse 4. This is the story of Moses in the wilderness. And Moses was having trouble with all of these guys who he was leading through the wilderness. They had already been provided with manna from heaven... God was already feeding these children and providing for them. But um, in verse 4 of chapter 11, Now the rabble that was among them had a strong craving, and the people of Israel also wept again and said, Oh, that we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt that cost nothing, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. But now our strength is dried up. There's nothing at all but this manna to look at. And the manna was like coriander seed, and its appearance was like that of bdellium, and the people went about and gathered it, and etc., etc. So, verse 10. Moses heard the people weeping throughout their clans, everyone at the door of his tent, and the anger of the Lord blazed hotly. And Moses was displeased. And Moses said to the Lord, Why have you dealt ill with your servant? Why have I not found favor in your sight, that you lay the burden of all this people on me? Did I conceive all this people, did I give them birth that you should say to me, carry them in your bosom as a nurse carries a nursing child to the land that you swore to give their fathers? Where am I to get meat to give all this people? For they weep before me and say, give us meat that way we may eat. I'm not able to carry all this people alone. The burden is too heavy for me. If you treat me like this, kill me at once if I find favor in your sight, that I may not see my wretchedness. This is awful, he says. This is so bad. Just, just kill me now, he says. I cannot be a father to these people. I cannot be a nurse to these people. I cannot be, well, it's using this word, a man. I can't do it, he says. 
I can't be a nurse to the people of God. This is Moses. This is the guy who's been up to the top of Mount Sinai and got the Ten Commandments and he's supposed to be teaching these guys. And he says, I can't do it. I can't do it. I cannot be the, a man to the people of God. I can't do it. Well, if Moses can't do it, I can tell you now, I can't do it. I can't do it. I'm sure Steve would say, well, I can't do it. There's John, there's David, there are elders here. They'll probably say, well, I can't do it. We can try and feed you as much as we can from the word of God, but, but when you start grumbling and moaning, <laughs> then we'll go, back, we'll go back to God. Lord, help us. Isn't that right, Steve? Doesn't that happen sometimes? They never complain. Of course they don't. They never complain. <laughs> but you know, these things happen, don't they? These things happen. And as people of God, we'll be confronted with other people coming to us and saying, hey, you're a Christian. Can you help me out? And you'll go, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. How can I feed the people who are coming to me? How can I do it? Well, Moses was in that situation. He said, I'm not a man. I'm not the nurse. How can I do it? How can I do it? Well, who is that a man? I wonder. Who could it be? What's the title of our, uh, our talk today? Jesus is our amen. I, I looked at this word amen. Let's go on to the next slide. And um, I decided to, to go back to this word amen for a while. And uh, I looked it up in the Old Testament. How many times the word amen is used? And in the... Uh, in the old King James Version, it's translated as so be it one time. It's translated as God of truth, of truth, two times. And it's translated as this word, amen, 27 times. And what I looked up was, well, how does Moses use this word, amen? I thought, how does he use this word, amen? And I looked it up, and in the book of Moses, uh, chapter 27 of Deuteronomy... Here we go. This is a Moses book, Deuteronomy 27. And we'll see how, how this word, Amen, is used in uh, one of Moses' books. Deuteronomy 27. And uh, I won't read too many of these because it's, <laughs> it's too depressing, really. Deuteronomy 27. Verse 15. Cursed be the man who makes a carved or cast metal image, an abomination to the Lord, a thing made by the hands of a craftsman, and sets it up in secret. And all the people shall answer and say, Amen. Amen. Cursed be anyone who dishonors his father or his mother, and all the people shall say, Amen. Amen. Cursed be any... Well, you get the picture. Okay, through the book of Moses, or the books of Moses, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy... Every time this word amen appears, it's after a curse. That is how <laughs> Moses is teaching the people. You say amen after this curse. Wow, well, that's a bit depressing, isn't it? We need to look at the New Testament. We need to look at how this word appears in the New Testament. So I looked again at this word in the New Testament, and it's translated 51 times as amen, but 101 times it appears in the New Testament as, well, in the King James Version, verily, verily, verily. What does that mean? Let's look up an example. John chapter 6, and we see the words of Jesus. Jesus uses this word 101 times 
Every single time, it's Jesus saying it. John chapter 6. Let's have a look at an example. In John chapter 6, Jesus has just fed the 5,000. <laughs> he has been a nursemaid to these guys. He's looking after them. He's feeding them. John chapter 6, verse 22. On the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. Verse 25, when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, truly, truly, verily, verily, amen, amen, I say to you. You're seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set a seal. Who gives you the food that endures to eternal life? Jesus. He declares it. Amen, amen. This is firm. This is sure. This is guaranteed. This is guaranteed. Amen, amen. I say to you, don't work for food that spoils. Work for the food that endures to eternal life. Well, how? Because I'm going to give it to you. I'm just going to give it to you. Wow. Then they said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, well, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent. Wow, just believe. Again, in verse 32, Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. We need this bread. We need to be fed. We need you to nursemaid us. <laughs> and Jesus is promising it. He's promising it. Isn't this wonderful? Isn't this good news? He goes on in verse 37. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I've come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he's given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up. On the last day. So Jesus is talking about these truly, truly's, these amen, amens, this absolute sure guarantee. This is truth, he says. We can see it again in verse 47. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the man in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread. This is guaranteed. This is truth. This is absolute truth. Amen. Amen? Amen. So this is how Jesus uses the word amen. He says, I want to tell you stuff that is firm, that is sure, that is guaranteed. And he always says it before he goes on to tell you something. Because he's feeding us. He's feeding his children with truth. That is how Jesus uses the word Amen.
Amen. Hallelujah. So that's, that's the first one I looked at. Then I, I decided, well, I want to look at this word, a man, again, because there was, there was something more to it. So um, if we can have the next slide, please. And there's the passive uh, form of the verb. To be built up or established, or to be completely established, absolutely faithful, totally sure. So in Psalm uh, 89 verse 28, it says, My steadfast love with King David I will keep for him forever, and my covenant will stand firm. It's that word, a man, stand firm for him. And again, like the moon, it shall be established forever, a faithful witness in the skies. That word faithful, a man. This is God's promise to David. So, Barry was speaking last week, and he said these words. I wrote them down. God makes promises and keeps them. God does not lie. The promises that God makes us are absolutely dependable. God made a promise to David. And he says, this covenant will stand firm. It's guaranteed. I'm doing the work. And David just had to receive it. Isn't that awesome? This is because God is the faithful God. Actually, I just want to, before we have another look at this story of David. Uh, Just go back to Deuteronomy chapter 7 and just read something that Moses said. Deuteronomy chapter 7 and verse 6. He says, For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. It was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you. For you were the fewest of all peoples. But it's because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath that he swore to your fathers that the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God, the a man God. He's the faithful God. He keeps his promises. He had made a promise to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob. And the promise was to Abraham was, you're gonna, your, your descendants were going to go to Egypt, but I'm going to bring them out. And Moses says, yeah, God is faithful. He's established. He is, there is nothing lacking in God. He is, if you're wanting to look at something that's built up, then you cannot get anything more built up than God. <laughs> he is not lacking in any way. He is totally faithful and sure and strong. Amen. Hallelujah. So, God made this promise to Abraham, but he made also promises to David. So I just want to have a look at uh, a promise to David in 2 Samuel. So let me find where 2 Samuel is. You know, I I like to whiz around the Bible a bit. I hope you don't mind. But if you can't find the the page number straight away, don't worry, I'll read it to you. So uh, so you'll know what I'm saying. But you can always uh, listen to the tape, um, to the recording a bit later and, and look it up. But 2 Samuel chapter 7 and verse 8. 2 Samuel chapter 7. Now therefore, thus you shall say to my servant David, thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep, that you should be prince over my people Israel. And I've been with you wherever you went. Yeah, how wonderful. But let's go on to verse 12. 
the Lord is promising, when your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you, who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. When he commits iniquity, I will discipline him with the rod of men, with the stripes of the sons of men. But my steadfast love will not depart from him as I took it from Saul, whom I put away from, whom I put away from before you. And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. Well, it's in verse 16 that this word, a man, appears again. And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure. That word sure, a man. That is what God has promised David. I'm making it sure. It is absolutely guaranteed, he's saying. Your house and your kingdom. Well, that's the promise for David. That sounds good, but is the promise for us also? Let's turn to the book of Isaiah, and we'll see that this very promise that he made to David, which is absolutely sure and guaranteed, it applies to us also. Let's turn to Isaiah 55. <laughs> oh, Isaiah 55. Isaiah says, Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear that your soul may live and I will make with you an everlasting covenant my steadfast, sure love for David. That word sure again appears. It's that same word, a man. God's saying, I want to build you up. I want to establish you. I want to make you firm. I want to make you solid. I want you to receive that same solid promise that I made to David. I want you to receive it too. So come. Just receive from me, he says. You'll be fed. You'll be fed and watered. You will receive stuff that just touches your heart and your soul. And you'll rejoice in the goodness of the Lord. We can enter into this promise too. But how do we do it? Well, what's the title of my sermon again? What was it? Does anybody remember? Jesus is our amen. Hallelujah. So we need to look at Jesus, don't we? Let's just uh, turn to 2 Corinthians. The book of 2 Corinthians. And chapter 1. Two Corinthians chapter one. And I'm going to read from verse eighteen. And it's Paul writing to the Corinthians, he says, As surely as God is faithful, our word to you has not been yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, whom we proclaimed among you, Silvanus and Timothy and I, was not yes and no, but in him it is always yes. For all the promises of God finds their yes in him. That is why it's through him that we utter our amen to God for his glory. Hallelujah. That's why we say amen. It's through Jesus 
that we receive these promises. All of the promises are yes and amen in him. Do you want to receive the promises? Do you want to receive that covenant of love and grace and that God will build us up in the same way that he built up David's house, in the same way that he built up Moses, in the same way that he built up the people of Israel? Amen. Well, I, I, I put another example there on the slide. 2 Chronicles 20. King Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God and you will be established. And again, that word established is a man. Believe his prophets, you will succeed. And uh, uh, King Jehoshaphat was a descendant of David. I'm going to briefly have a quick look at, at uh, his story. Because, you know, it's a good story. It's a good story to look at. 2 Chronicles, chapter 20. Very briefly look at this story because it's just so wonderful. 2 Chronicles, chapter 20, verse 1. After this, the Moabites and Ammonites, and with them some of the Munites, came against Jehoshaphat for battle. And some men came and told Jehoshaphat, Hey, a great multitude is coming against you from Eden, from beyond the sea. Then in verse 3, Jehoshaphat was afraid and set his face to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. And Judah assembled to seek help from the Lord. And so Jehoshaphat prays this wonderful prayer and you can look at it at home later if you want to. But uh, he prays this prayer. And uh, while they're praying, uh, in verse 13, Meanwhile, all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives and their children. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, son of Benaiah, son of Jehoshaphat, oh, son of lots of people. And in verse 15, he said, Listen, all Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid and do not be dismayed at this great horde, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow go down against them. Behold, they will come up by the ascent of Ziz. You'll find them at the end of the valley, east of the wilderness of Jeruel. You will not need to fight in this battle. Stand firm, hold your position, and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them. The Lord will be with you. Wow, what a promise. What a promise. And so in response, Jehoshaphat just bows his head and he, he worships the Lord. And in verse 20, they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And then when they went out, King Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, Judah, and inhabitants of Jerusalem, believe in the Lord your God and you will be established. You will be this word, Amen. And in verse 21, they sing, Give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love endures forever. Uh, and when they go out to the battle, you can read it uh, at home, they go out to the battle and they find that all of their enemies have fought each other. And they don't have to do any fighting themselves at all. God has just done it. It's an amazing story of God's power and love. But you will be established. Well, this, this verse 20 is really interesting because actually... King Jehoshaphat uses this word, I am man, three times in this verse. We've only got one there. Established. A man. Well, that's the passive form of the verb. But there's a, another form of the verb, which I haven't talked about yet. The third form. We've talked about the, the active form. That is that God feeds his people. He nurses them. 
And we've talked about the passive form. Yes, you want to be established. You want to receive it. But there's this third form, which is the causative form. How do you cause this to happen? Can we look at the next slide? Because what we'll see is that Oh, there we have it. King Jehoshaphat stood and said to hear me, Judah, and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, believe. He uses the word a man. He says, I want you to cause this to happen. But the only way you can cause it to happen, not that you're going to do everything yourself, because God's the one who's doing it all. Not that you've got any power in yourself to do it. But you just step into the promises. You cause it to happen by believing it. Isn't that amazing? You cause it to happen simply by believing. And you have that power to cause something to happen if you believe. That's why sometimes Jesus went around and he said, oh, I couldn't do many miracles there. Not that God, Jesus hadn't got the power to perform miracles, but they didn't believe much. They, couldn't, they didn't cause me to do it. I was willing to feed them. I was willing to perform miracles for them. I was willing to do so much for them, but but they just didn't cause me to, they didn't allow me to do it. And so Jehoshaphat uses this word, a man. A man, believe, cause it to happen. And you will be built up. Cause the building up and you will be built up. So cause the building up, he says. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? Barry was speaking last week. I'll read again what he said. God makes promises and keeps them. God does not lie. The promises that God makes us are absolutely dependable. And in response to those promises, God is looking for simple, believing faith as the means for salvation. Nothing else, just faith alone. Remember the story of uh, Abraham. <laughs> We've already heard it mentioned today by the kids in Genesis 15. The Lord came to Abraham in a vision. Fear not, Abraham, I'm your shield. Your reward shall be very great. Abraham said, oh, Lord God, what will you give me? <laughs> I continue childless. Verse 3, Abraham said, uh, behold, you've given me no offspring. Verse 4, Behold, the words of the Lord came to him, This man shall not be your heir, your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven and number the stars if you're able to number them. And they said to him, So shall your offspring be. And what did Abraham do? He believed the Lord. Well, it's that word, a man, again. <laughs> Abraham said, I can't do it. I can't have any offspring. I'm unable to do it. It's impossible for me to do it. I cannot cause myself to have children. But I can cause God to do it simply by believing him. He's the one who is going to nurse me and feed me his word. His promises are absolutely sure. He's going to establish me. He's going to do all the work for me. I believe him. And I'm going to just cause him to do it simply by going, okay, <laughs> amen, amen. Isn't that awesome? Last week we were looking at Romans. You know, I, I can't, I can't uh, do this sermon without looking at Romans, can I? Because we've been looking, we're going, going through Romans. 
Let's go back to Romans chapter 4. Because I just want to remind you of of what we've been looking at in Romans. And uh, Romans chapter 4. Where shall I read? I'll read from verse 13. For the promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would be heir of the world did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. Verse 16, that's why it depends on faith. In order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring. Who's it guaranteed to? All the offspring. Who is all the offspring of Abraham? Does that include us by any chance? Not only to the adherent of the law, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I've made you the father of many nations in the presence of the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. In hope he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations. As he had been told, so shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead, since he was about 100 years old. Or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb, no unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God. But he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. Fully convinced. This is the a man faith that he had. It was like, I'm totally convinced. This is, this is guaranteed. This is sure. This is firm. This is solid ground, Abraham would say. Amen. This is sure. And so he had that faith. Verse 22, that is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. But the words it was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It would be counted to us who believe in him who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. The words it was counted to him as righteousness weren't just written for Abraham. God doesn't just count Abraham as righteous. We also can step into the same promises when we say, Amen, Lord, I believe. Because the promise is for you and for you and for you and for you and for you. It's for all of us. We receive that same promise. God says, I want to feed you. I want to save you. I want to forgive you. I want to love you. I want to give you all of the promises of God which find their yes and amen in him. Hallelujah. Wow. Well, how do I close this sermon? Uh, I want to look at uh, the book of Colossians. Romans, Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Colossians chapter 2. So we're just going to have a a look at a few verses in Colossians and then go uh, to the book of Revelation and then that will be it. And I hope that you're blessed by it. (laughs) So Colossians chapter 2 and verse 6. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, I hope you've received Christ Jesus the Lord. If you haven't, then speak to Steve afterwards. He'll, he'll, he'll 
he'll help you out with that. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him. Now, Paul was writing in Greek, but I'm sure if he was writing in, in Hebrew, he would have written the word aman there. Built up. Be built up in him. And established. Well, I'm sure if he was writing in Hebrew, he would have used the word aman there. Established. In the faith, the belief. You know, if he was writing in Hebrew, he might have used the word aman there. He might, not he? <laughs> but it's all here in this one verse. Rooted and built up in him. And established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. So if you just remember one verse, remember that bit. Remember that you can be rooted and built up in the Lord because he is a nursemaid to us. He will feed us. When you're hungry, go to him. When you're thirsty, go to him. He will feed you. He will meet your needs. Unlike Moses, who couldn't feed the people, Jesus is our amen. He will meet your needs. And he will establish you. Remember his promises to David. We receive the same promises. He will establish us. Just as he made a covenant with David, we can enter into the covenant of God through Jesus. And it's through faith. Remember the faith of Abraham? We can have that same faith and say amen. Now, who was Paul writing to in this book of Colossians, well, you'll say, well, it's the church at Colossae. You know that. But actually, he was writing to a different church as well. Did you know this? Ah, Steve does, because uh, he's nodding there. He knows these things. Colossians chapter 4 and verse uh, 16. He says, When this letter has been read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans. See that you also read the letter from Laodicea. So it's linked to this. The Laodiceans were receiving this letter. Who on earth are the Laodiceans, you say? Why does that matter to me? Well, because Jesus wanted to give a message to the Laodiceans. Let's look at the book of Revelation and chapter 3. And in the book of Revelation, John has this vision, this wonderful vision of Jesus appearing to him. And Jesus says, I want you to give a message to the church at Laodicea. The church who would have heard this message from Colossae. They would have known that they had to be rooted and built up and have faith. And so Jesus has a message for this church in Laodicea, in chapter 3 of Revelation. And what does he say to them? In verse 14, And to the angel of the church in Laodicea write the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. He says, I am the Amen. I want you to know that I am the Amen, he says to the church in Laodicea. This church who have been told by Paul, you need to be rooted, you need to be built up, you need to be established in the faith. And then Jesus comes along and says, listen up, Laodiceans, I'm the Amen. I'm the Amen. Put your focus on me, because you will find your Amen. All of the sureness, all of the firmness, all of the guarantees will be found in me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, I'm just going to close by reading this blessing at the end of Revelation. Seeing as we're in Revelation, there's this wonderful blessing. Revelation 22, uh, verse 16. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David 
the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come, and let the one who hears say, come, and let the one who is thirsty come, and let the one who desires take the water of life without price. And then verse 20, he who testifies to these things says, surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. Amen. 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 Steve, could you pray for us? Oh, yeah.